0: This is a Squiz Podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of iron ore and copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind, and battery agreements at mine sites across Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com/slash critical to find out more. been some big developments in the war in Ukraine over the past week or so, and the world's on edge wondering how it's all going to play out. So this week in Squeeze Shortcuts, we look at Russia's big call-up of troops, its threats to go nuclear, and the way it's using referendums to claim parts of Ukraine. This Squeeze Shortcut will get you across Russian President Vladimir Putin's latest moves. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Russia's war in Ukraine has been grinding on since February, Claire, if you can believe it. There were some pretty major moments last week, though. It's well and truly back on the agenda. Russian President Vladimir Putin called up reservists, so ordinary Russians, to fight. And he's threatening nuclear retaliation if the West keeps helping Ukraine. All of this, understandably, has people pretty worried.
1: Yeah. So Putin hadn't given a national address uh, since the beginning of Russia's invasion. So it was a pretty big deal last week. Mm. And he used that term mobilisation of troops. So what that means is that it's the first time in Russia's war that it's calling up civilians to the fight uh, because basically its army is running out of soldiers on the front line.
0: That threw me quite a bit, Claire, because as I understand it, Russia has one of the world's biggest armies, some million odd military personnel. So my question is, I guess, why after seven months of this war, does it need to call up reservists to join the fight? All the
1: military analysts say that Ukraine's battlefield tactics plus the advantage that they're getting from the use of sophisticated Western weapons and intelligence uh, has made this a much harder war for Russia to win and the Russians have suffered big casualties. The UK Defence Ministry back in June estimated that 25,000 Russian soldiers had been killed and in July the CIA director
0: said that 50,000 Russian troops had been wounded. Yeah, the precise figures are really hard to stack up, of course. But the experts say Russia wouldn't be calling up more fighters if it wasn't struggling. Yeah, that's right. And Putin's address came right after
1: a critical Russian defeat in the northeast of Ukraine. It was actually pushed out of the Kharkiv region, which it had been holding since the start of that invasion. Mm. Uh, That was a huge morale boost for Ukraine uh, to actually regain ground that it had lost. And of course, it was a big blow to Russia.
0: To be clear, mobilisation doesn't mean he's calling up the whole population. The Russian defence minister says they're recruiting about 300,000 people and only targeting people with specific skills that they need. Yeah, that's right. And all
1: Russian men between the ages of 18 and 27 have to do a year of military service. So it's a pretty big pool to choose from. Uh, We obviously know that they do want general reinforcements on the battlefield, but they might also want specific skills like tank drivers or snipers or engineers. Mm. Uh,
0: Again, it's hard to know precisely because they're not going to telegraph their weaknesses. No, they're not going to tell us, that's for sure. We already know. They've also had big issues with the call-up. Some Russian men have been investing in a one-way ticket out of the country, Claire.
1: Yeah, people are said to be paying really big prices to get tickets out. Uh, All of the flights to countries where Russians don't need visas were oversubscribed. Mm. uh, And there were big queues on those land borders as well, particularly into neighbouring countries
0: like Georgia and Kazakhstan. There's also been protests on the street of Moscow and St Petersburg. We know that Russians who do protest are risking serious jail time. Yeah, up to 15 years behind bars if they're arrested. Uh, So the
1: risk that they're taking in protesting tells you just how unpopular this war is with many
0: ordinary Russians. Not to mention the rest of the world, especially now that Vladimir Putin has threatened to go nuclear. Let's take a look now at what he said and what it might mean. You referenced that that speech Vladimir Putin gave last week, Claire, was one of a kind in this war. He did talk about nuclear war. What exactly did he threaten? Do we know? Okay, so what Putin said is if, and this is the quote, the territorial
1: integrity of our country is threatened, we will without doubt use all available means to protect Russia and our people. This is not a bluff.
0: Did he specifically mention nuclear weapons? That's the key question, I guess.
1: Yeah, he did. He was basically accusing the West of being the aggressor and said, and this is the quote, those who try to blackmail us with nuclear weapons should know that the weather vane can turn and point towards them. Uh, And then he backed it up by saying, we will certainly use all the means at our disposal.
0: So that's been interpreted as a threat to use nuclear weapons. But would he really do it? That's what everyone's talking about.
1: Yeah, and look, most Western intelligence agencies see this as a threat to the US and to NATO to stop helping Ukraine. Mm. Uh, We'll go into more detail about that in just a minute. But uh, we know that Russia is planning on claiming more Ukrainian territory as its own without legitimacy. So the theory is that this nuclear threat would keep the West from helping Ukraine retake those territories.
0: Yeah, I've also heard the theory that he could use smaller tactical nuclear weapons to scare the West away. The thought even of small nuclear weapons, though, Claire, is hardly soothing. <laughs> no, it really isn't. No. Uh, nuclear experts
1: believe that Russia has about 2,000 of these so-called tactical nuclear weapons, which can be fired from ships or aircraft, but haven't been used in conflict before. Uh, they're designed to achieve a limited strike, so without widespread nuclear fallout. But as you said, that's hardly reassuring. Uh, In fact, it's pretty terrifying. Putin obviously knows that and he knows that no one can really be sure if he'd use one to avoid defeat.
0: Yeah. In response to this, US President Joe Biden says the use of any nuclear weapon would change the face of war. This is the quote, unlike anything since World War II. He added somewhat cryptically in a television interview that it would be consequential if Russia acted, Claire.
1: Yeah, cryptic it certainly was. Uh, But we've now learned a little bit more about what he means. Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, subsequently said that there would be, and this is the quote, catastrophic consequences for Russia uh, if it took that nuclear option. Mm -hmm. Sullivan says the US has spelled out in
0: private to Russian officials exactly what that means. So what I'm hearing is we still don't know if the US is threatening nuclear retaliation or some other diplomatic or economic punishment, perhaps. No, and it's trying to avoid
1: those escalations further with any rhetoric. So Sullivan and other US officials are trying to leave that ambiguity and not spell it out in black and white, mm. uh, because if things get to a point where the US is involved in a conflict directly taking on Russia, we're essentially talking about World War Three.
0: Oh, It's a nice shortcut today, isn't it? It's a (laughs) diplomatic tightrope, that's for sure. It's about to get a whole lot more complicated, with Russia claiming that referendums in Ukraine have given it the right to more Ukrainian territory. Let's have a look at that tactic now. Claire, we're working with BHP again on Weekly Wrap this week because they're keen to share with Squizzes how the resources they mine are key for our economy's shift to renewable energy. Yeah, so we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but
1: what doesn't get as much attention is the role that mining companies are playing in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as bridges and transportation,
0: hospitals and schools, and a big part of it comes from iron ore. That iron ore mainly hails from Western Australia, and BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Western Australian iron iron ore is clear. Yeah, and by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse
1: gas emissions associated with iron ore production. That's why BHP has committed to a solar
0: and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP, and if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. So, Claire, we've talked about Putin mobilising more troops. We've talked about him talking about the threat of nuclear war. The other key part of Putin's address last week was his pretty bold claim over large parts of Ukraine's landmass.
1: Yeah, so in that speech, he confirmed that he was planning on annexing about 15% of Ukraine. It's an area as big as Hungary. Uh, He's been laying the groundwork on that since the war began. So the way he's going to try and make that legitimate is by a process of referendums in four regions of Ukraine,
0: uh, basically asking them if they want to be under Russian control. Annexing is a fancy way of saying taking ownership of. This is all ringing all sorts of bells with Crimea in 2014. Yeah, it sure is. So just to explain that for a
1: second, Crimea was part of Ukraine's territory uh, back in 2014, but then Russia invaded and only after they'd taken control did they
0: hold a referendum asking the people who should rule over that part of the country. More than 90% of the population went with Russia, But the vote wasn't as it seemed. No, and look, the United Nations and other Western nations said
1: that the process was illegal. Mm -hmm. A lot of Ukraine supporters boycotted that vote and there was widespread voter intimidation and
0: violence. And so now we see Putin deploying a similar tactic in Ukraine, back to those referendums they've happened this week. The West has already called them, Claire, like the ones in Crimea, a sham.
1: Yeah, so French President Emmanuel Macron said the process is a parody. Uh, the United Nations Secretary General Guterres has called it fraudulent. Uh, President Biden says the West will never recognise Ukraine territory as anything other than
0: Ukraine's. So how the West sees that is that it's Putin's way of trying to reclaim some advantage. The regions we're talking about, Claire, are Donetsk and Luhansk in the east and Zaporizhia and Curzon in the south. Tell us a little bit more about what he's trying to do. Yeah, so by
1: claiming those territories, even though it's nowhere close to legal, Mm. uh, NATO and the European Union are worried that Russia will use that excuse uh, of holding those territories by putting nuclear weapons into those areas. Uh, Russia's own nuclear doctrine allows the use of those weapons if the Russian state faces an existential threat from conventional weapons.
0: Yeah, now we know the West isn't buying into any of this, but we need a quick mention of China in and amongst all of this. They've been seen as somewhat silent on a lot of it. They haven't been willing to condemn Russia. That's right. And
1: the West has been pretty unhappy about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But all this talk of the nuclear option is making China pretty nervous, according to the analysts. Uh, China has a policy of no first use with nuclear weapons. So if Putin did go down that
0: path, uh, he could lose the support of China, which is pretty important to him. It is, and there's so much more to unpick uh, as we watch this all unfold over the coming weeks and months. We've got to hope that China's move there, though, acts as some deterrent to Putin. And that's your shortcut to Putin's latest move. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. It's back to the BBC Global News podcast for me, Claire. They've got a number of really super informative episodes about everything we've spoken about here. It's my go-to on this topic. Yeah, it's
1: just a really good podcast, that one, to get updated on the latest moves. They've got people all over that region, so they're a real authority on it. Um, For me, I've got an account from the New York Times, which is also doing some great reporting on the ground from Ukraine about what all these
0: moves actually mean on the ground. Yeah, as always, we'll put a link to all of those in your episode notes. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts and we'll be back next week.